Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Here in the Northern Rockies, dark winter months are outlasted in basements, dens, and nooks, where kindred souls gather together to share intel, swap fly patterns, and relive the memories from seasons past. This gathering spot known locally as the February Room is the inspiration for this podcast. No matter the season, the door is always open to those with a fly fishing story to tell. Brought to you by CD Fishing USA, the North American distributor for composite development fly rods and accessories. 40 years of Kiwi ingenuity and graphite technology now available at cd-fishing.us or your local CD USA dealer. Follow us on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. And remember to go fishing. Here's your host, the Carnops, and this is the February Room. Welcome to the February Room. Today, my guest is Jeff Perrin, a guide, instructor, and fly shop owner of the Fly Fisher's Place in beautiful Sisters, Oregon. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Lauren. It's good times. Yes, absolutely. Well, and we were just talking a little bit earlier before we started recording that you have owned uh, the Fly Fisher's Place for 30 years. And I know that you have some fishing stories for me today, and I can't wait to hear one. Well, you know, obviously over, this is actually my 35th year in the fishing business and 30 years of the owner of the shop. And of course, there's a, you know, I mean, a long history of of crazy stories, but um, you know, and listening to a couple of your podcasts uh, uh, earlier, um, just out of interest in in podcasts, I love to listen to podcasts, especially fishing podcasts. Um, I listened to um, a couple of friends of mine, Brian O'Keefe and, and John Hazlett, um, yes. and John had a great story about losing his boat on the, um, I guess it was on the Rogue River, and so I have a I have a good story about losing my boat on the Deschutes River. Um, do you want you want to share that one? <laughs> yes. Please do. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, it's kind of a kind of an embarrassing story, but as as everybody that has a boat knows, um, you know there are those that have lost a boat and those that will lose a boat. And uh, this wasn't my first lost boat experience, but certainly my worst 
lost boat experience. And every year uh, in September, we host a big group of, uh, of ladies um, that come and stay at Blackbeat Ranch. Uh, and they uh, cumulatively do oh, probably around 40 guide trips uh, for the week. Um, it's a really, really big event for us. And there's this uh, one, one lady, particularly uh, a wonderful uh, person and, and uh, kind of a cranky old gal. I love her to death. Um, we cuss at each other. Uh, she's a good angler. And um, we, we have a great time together. In fact, she's been to Cuba and Belize with us. And um, she's just, she's just a great lady. So this is kind of sad that this happened to her, but on the other hand, <laughs> I probably wouldn't want it to have happened to anybody but her. Yes. So, so there's a section of the upper Deschutes, um, below Wiki up reservoir, uh, upstream of Bend, you know, the Deschutes is kind of well known for, for the lower hundred miles, you know, it's the, the area below the dam and it's the area that gets all the steelhead run and, and the big red sides. But the upper Deschutes, um, at one time, uh, before all the dams were in and the reservoirs were in, was one of Oregon's greatest trout fisheries. Um, and uh, it still has years that it's pretty good. And so for one of Mary's trips, I said, hey, let's go up and float the upper Deschutes. And, you know, up in that section, there's no real uh, shuttle service. Um, you kind of have to self-shuttle or figure out a way to, to get your car from point A to point B. Um, so I had called a friend of mine, um, Ron, that morning and, and said, hey, buddy, would you, you know, would you take like, you know, half an hour this morning and help us shuttle my car? Um, and he said, yeah, yeah, I can do that. I've got some things going this afternoon, but I, I can do that. So we drive up to the boat ramp. Um, I don't know why I did this, but I took, I, I was helping Mary get her waders and boots on and, and get the boat ready. And, uh, it was a boat ramp that I was a little bit unfamiliar with. Um, and I took the safety chain and the winch rope off before I launched the boat, thinking that, yeah. Thinking that the, uh, the ramp was like super, super easy slope, and then I would just kind of back down, get out of the truck, and like you know guide the boat off of the trailer with my hands on the gunnel, and and uh, but um, as it turned out, the ramp was a little bit more um, steep than I thought, and it had a kind of a little drop off, and so as I was backing down. Mary and Ron, my my friend that was shuttle driving, were sitting there watching, and I was backing down, and and uh, the driver's side wheel of the boat trailer kind of dropped into this hole, and it literally launched my my Clackett craft uh, out into the middle of the, the to the Deschutes, and they and they're looking at me like. Oh, what just happened? And, and I, I get out of the truck. I'm like, oh my god! And so I start running. It's a, it's a marsh up there, and I start running with my waders and boots and my rain jacket because it was pouring down rain too. And and I'm going through this marsh, and I'm like praying, praying. Oh, please, 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 wind, just blow that boat over here, just. <laughs> And when I realized that the boat is not going to blow towards me and there's no way to get it um, without drowning or, or dying or possibly dying, I'm like, holy crap. So I, uh, I called, the, um, called the sheriff's department. They have a Marine patrol um, 
and I'm pretty familiar with a lot of the guys that are on the Marine Patrol from from guiding a lot and being up on the lakes, especially. They're out there um, pretty frequently doing doing uh, you know safety checks and that sort of thing. So sort of embarrassing to to call the sheriff's department in my situation being a guide. And um, anyway, I, I get I get to the end of the marsh where um, it kind of goes into this cliffy type area. And I scramble up that, and there's a trail through um, Lapine State Park at this point. Um, I'm, I'm on the trail. I'm completely out of breath. I'd called Ron and Mary on the phone to have them drive down to this area that um, I might be able to get the boat. And they're driving around looking for it. It was really a cluster. And uh, by this time like nearly at heart attack stage, not, not only from the stress of losing my boat, but literally from the physicality of, of chasing it through a marsh, um, and up a cliff. And finally the boat stops. And, um, I, um, ran into this jogger on the trail. It was a, a young woman, um, walking <laughs> on the trail and here I am and waiters and boots, uh, sweating, um, panting. I'm like, <sighs> can you help me? <laughs> I think she thought I was a, like Jack the Ripper or something. So she scared way, way, way clear of me. And uh, <laughs> so I kind of scrambled from the trail over to the edge of the cliff through the trees um, and saw my boat had had stuck in a big root wad um, underneath, the, underneath the cliff. And I'm like, oh, thank God. At least it stopped. I mean, at least it's not going to be going down, you know, down river infinitely to the falls that are, you know, down there below um, the drift that we're taking and, and uh, should be safe. So the first sheriff that shows up is is a really nice guy, um, Forest Patrol, Deschutes County Sheriff. Um, and he looks at it and goes, yep, that's uh, that's a predicament. But here's what I think <laughs> I would do. He, he, he was going to um, to repel me down the cliff uh, into my boat. And I'm like, yeah, man, I'm not much of a heights guy, nor have I ever repelled. And I just, I don't think that's going to happen. So, uh, so shortly thereafter, the first, uh, Marine patrol guy shows up and, and, uh, he had this giant jet boat that they used to patrol the lakes and the river up there was too, too shallow to get the uh, the jet boat in. So he tried a couple of times and tried in a couple of different boat ramps, but just couldn't, couldn't do it. Um, and so um, they ended up calling search and rescue. So we were supposed to launch at about 8 a.m. Um, by time they got uh, two guys in for the Chutes County search and rescue to uh, who are volunteers, by the way, great volunteers. Um, they uh, mobilized at the Deschutes County Sheriff's Office in Bend, got a Zodiac with a motor, got the Deschutes <laughs> County Sheriff search and rescue pickup truck, got their dry suits, their helmets, their life jackets, um, ropes, and you know all the all the rescue stuff that they thought they would need to get my boat safe. And uh, anyway, they came and and. Um, motored down river and you know they said as soon as their wake from their boat um hit my boat it had dislodged again from that root wad and started floating away from them so the one of the search and rescue guys had to go swimming after my boat they got in it hooked it up to the motorized uh, zodiac and pulled it up to the boat ramp and um 
Actually, it was it was just after uh, just after about twelve thirty. Um, so nearly four and a half hours uh, later, um, Mary and I got to start our guide trip. Um, <laughs> a, fairly, a fairly long float, you know. Uh, I think it was around around twelve miles that we had to float, and so in the fall we're running out of daylight. Fortunately, we had a really nice afternoon um, mix of blueing olives and, and pale morning duns, and she caught quite a few fish on dry flies, and I had to row out in the dark. Um, but um, I will tell you that after dropping off Mary, she went uh, back to Black Butte and told that story to all the ladies uh, in the group. <laughs> that was the greatest story of the week, so... Um, she won the story for the craziest, uh, she won the award for the craziest story of the week. And, and, uh, I won the award for being the dumbest guide of the year, I think. And I bet you, she still doesn't let you, let you forget about the time, about the, the boat. Every once in a while that, that story still pops up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It makes me laugh too, because I mean, I like to run too. And I can only imagine like every time I'm running, you kind of have these scenarios, like say someone comes up to you, what would you do in this scenario? And I couldn't imagine this girl's probably what running and this guy with waiters like, help me, help me. I think <laughs> I'd be like, why didn't I bring my pepper spray? Like run like the Dickens. Yeah. I'm sure she tells everybody too. She's like, one time I was running and there was this crazy person with waiters asking me to help them. It wouldn't have been even more great if um, if I would have got sprayed with pepper spray. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I seriously, I actually carried like those small little cans of pe- pepper spray. So I bet you now she yep. this maybe she's listening to the podcast and she's like, oh man, what a jerk I am! Like I should have helped, <laughs> I should have helped out that poor Jeff. Yeah. Um, and we were just talking about earlier. Um, you know, I've obviously visited Bend and everyone kept telling me, hey, you need to go to Bend. That place is insane. Beautiful mountains, great rock climbing. And I went there and not that Bend isn't beautiful, yeah. but I was kind of um, shocked about it not being as uh, right up against the mountains as I thought in my mind what was going to look, what Bend was going to look like. And yeah. Justin took me, he's like, hey, get in the car. I want to show you a really cool town that I love and it's called sisters. And I thought, yeah. okay, well, I've heard about Bend. I'm going to imagine sisters as kind of like mountains far away. And wow, totally yeah. wrong. Sisters is beautiful. I mean, the mountains are huge. And it's I, what I loved about the name sisters. Isn't it because the two mountains are considered supposed to be sisters, right? Yeah. yeah. Three, three actually, um, three. South, middle, and north sister, and they they were named uh, Faith, Hope, and Charity, um, and they kind of loom over our town along with Broken Top, Mount Jefferson, Mount Washington, and Three Finger Jack, and then a very tall butte called Black Butte is also in the in the horizon. So um, it's yeah, it's really pretty, very mountainous. Tons of uh, you know we're we're in the Ponderosa here, and then uh, as you head down towards the Metolius, it gets um, you know, into Ponderosa and fir and uh, some spruce, and uh, it's really, really pretty. And the, the Metolius is our home water. It's about 20 minutes away from the fly shop, so that's um, that's really close. But yeah, we're all forest out here and, and really close to those mountains. Yes, I mean, I always think it's kind of amazing that you can go from Bend, which is, you know, kind of desert. You have uh, a lot of sage yeah. and allergies are really good there. And then to go to Sisters and it feels like you're in a totally different state. Um, you were just talking about the Metolius and, you know, what makes Metolius so special for you as a guide for 35 years? 
Yeah, well, one, I think one of the things to start with is is that there there isn't any guiding on the Metolius. Um, it's it's a place where um, you're on your own, and the Forest Service closed it down to guiding. I'm told back in the '70s, um, kind of before my time in the industry. Um, but they, uh, in, as part of their wild and scenic uh, river designation or their plan, um, they they got rid of guiding in a couple of areas around close to town, close to Sisters or, or Bend, um, the Middle Chutes and the Metolius were two areas that they that they didn't allow any guiding. And so there there is one little short area of river um, on a resort that we work with. They've got about a oh, close to a mile of river frontage. It's called the House in the Metolius. And uh, we can guide there, and we do a lot of guiding there with, with their guests. Um, but for the, the rest of the river, the river is about 27 miles long. It's a spring creek. Um, and the upper portion of the river, um, which is open only in the summertime, it's, it opens up uh, just a little bit before Memorial Day on May 22nd every year and closes down on November 1st or October 31st is the last day you can fish it. Um, it, um, it it's, it's very, very Spring Creek-like, very small stream, super clear water, gentle flow. But the Metolius, um, is a, it, it ends up being quite a big river. Um, it, it would probably remind people more of a big Montana freestone coming out of the mountains in Missoula than, than, a, than a Spring Creek like you might see over in Livingston or something. Um, it's, uh, it takes on a lot of tributaries, um, some of which are also Spring Creeks. Um, some are, are snowmelt rivers that come out of the, those mountains that are nearby. Um, and it also has a number of other pretty major springs that, that fall into the river at different points of, of its course down to its confluence with the Deschutes. Um, and so it it has you know it has kind of three distinct sections. We sort of categorize um, that. I make a, I actually have a map that I made at the shop, uh, and it's actually printed in Montana, um, and it shows all the the fly fishing only stretch and a little bit beyond that um, down below the fly fishing only boundary. Um, and then, so what we do is when we sell that map, we kind of talk to people about, okay, this is what we call the upper river. This is what we call the middle river. And below here is, is the lower river. And they've all got a ton of game for, for fly fishing. Um, and in different seasons, you're going to see, you know, different hatches. That's probably one of the things that attracts me to the river the most. I'm a very passionate technical dry fly angler. And so, you know, love the, you know, a a three or four weight rod with a, you know, 16 to 20 foot leader and a 6X or 7X tippet if necessary, um, and a little cripple or a merger. You know, that's the type of fishing that uh, the Metolius is. And, And so that's one of the reasons that I'm drawn to it so much. And now a brief message from our sponsors. High-performance graphite shouldn't break the bank. Check out the Tamer brand of fly rods for composite developments, available in 5, 6, and 8 weight. An unbelievable value at $199, Tamer 4-piece fly rods deliver smooth cast and precise presentation. Our Tamer kits include a Fly Lab pulse reel and weight forward fly line. A river-ready kit for under $300. Go to cd-fishing.us or visit a CD dealer in Idaho, Montana, or Wyoming. And remember to go fishing. With the Metolius, because it's not guided, do you find that the habitat to be a little bit healthier? 
Uh, I wouldn't say so because I mean, you know, from from a guide's perspective, I think that that guides actually bring a lot to a river system. Um, you know, in terms of kind of you know picking up trash, which we don't see a lot of on the Metolius, but you know, we do see people, you know, bending the rules on equipment and uh, see people bending the rules on keeping fish, which the Metolius is strictly catch and release. And, and, and so while we don't get a lot of that um, kind of shenanigans down on the Metolius, there is some, and from, you know, from my perspective, there, there's, I think a guide could help um, kind of keep that from happening so much because we're, we, we, we take such pride and, and such ownership in, in rivers that we, you know, that we guide on that we would probably protect it more. But from that standpoint, too, there is a t- there are, I can think of a good, you know, two dozen really wonderful and lovely local people that the Metolius is their home water, too. And, and yeah. so they're, you know, they're constantly on the lookout. I mean, we actually just had a big case here um, um, down below the, the fly, fish only, fly fishing only boundary. Um, they just caught a guy um, from one of the local communities that had been poaching bull trout uh, out of the Metolius for years. And he, you know, was posting his posting and boasting his accomplishments on his Instagram page. And anyway, that what a dummy, right? I mean, isn't that the biggest dumb move you could do? I mean, I don't understand that. <laughs> pretty close, yeah. Um, anyway, he got caught or Oregon state police game wardens, uh, uh, nailed him and he's in big trouble. And, um, and, uh, the case is, is I, I don't think resolved yet. I think it's still going through the courts, but he's, you know, certainly going to lose his fishing and hunting privileges for a long time to come. And, um, hopefully, um, you know, hopefully the, that damage done um, is behind us and we can move forward. But, you know, just I, I know some people that that um, saw him and then looked him up on on uh, Instagram and kind of figured it out. And um, they were part of the solution in, in getting him busted. So, yeah, good stuff, man. I mean, that's 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 what we're after. Oh, I used to edit a show called uh, Montana Game Wardens, and it was on the Sportsman's channel, but basically following wardens and making sure that people were following the rules. And a lot of it was, you know, um, also on fishing and people, you know, going on the Blackfoot with glass and, you know, and it's it's also, it's just about protecting the habitat. And if you can't follow the rules, then you just shouldn't be out there fishing because- Yeah. You know, I, I was looking at your website and you were very good about, um, you just put out your fishing report and you're like, as a reminder, please yeah. make sure you know your water and know the regulations. And as anglers, that is your responsibility. Every time you go in the water, you're like, Hey, what fish am I allowed to eat? Or what fish can I harvest? Am I even allowed to harvest fish? So um, I think you do a really good job with reminding your on your blog, on your website, uh, The Fisher's Place, um, to remember that that is your responsibility as an angler. When you sign your fishing license, you're signing your your ability to understand the rules of the water. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I get that's one of the little frustrations that I have after all these years of dealing with the public is just, you know, people not knowing, you know, uh, the geography of the place that they're in. They don't know the names of the bridges. Um, they don't understand. I mean, in, in so many cases, you know, 
people don't even understand which direction the damn river is flowing. I mean, come on, (laughs) you gotta be be smarter than that if you're going to use the outdoors, you know, and, and stuff. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, but you know, that most people are great and most people get it. And, you know, it's just a, it's, I feel like, you know, it's part of my responsibility to help, you know, remind people of what the rules are. And I know a lot of people use my, um, my blog, my fishing, my, my fishing reports, um, you know, uh, pretty, pretty religiously. I mean, they use them. I, I try to update them in the summertime. It's every week for sure. Um, and then, you know, in the wintertime and December, January, February, it might be every, you know, 10 to 14 days or so, but, um, cause the information just doesn't change as much. And, and, but it, but yeah, I mean, in the, in the summer from, you know, from middle of March until, you know, the end of October, God, fishing conditions can change daily. So I, I feel it's really my responsibility to, to update that information for people, um, every, you know, six or seven days. And, and I do, and people love it, man. And I guess, you know, with you owning, um, the fly fishers place for 30 years, what has been your goal or your mission of success how, how, have you, how have you continued to have a fly shop for 30 years? Because it, it is fun and it's exciting, but it is very difficult too. It is. It is difficult. And, you know, I think, um, uh, well, I think one of the things that I tell people is I'm too dumb to do anything else. So, um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I mean, I, honestly, honestly, there may be a little grain of truth to that, but I, I think, I think a couple of things, um, you know, I'm pretty stubborn. Like I'm, you know, I'm not going to sit there every day and grind it out, but on the days that it needs to be grinded out, um, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it done. And, uh, and so I don't feel like I'm, I'm ever at really a burnout phase. Um, I had, um, um, maybe a, a little bit of a burnout about, I don't know, it was about 16 years ago. Um, big, big relationship change in my life, got divorced and, and, uh, and sort of was questioning everything like, uh, do I want to do this fly shop thing anymore? Maybe I want to get in the ski industry. Um, I got really into master ski racing for a few years. And, and I remember I have this really cool business manager He's 78 years old. He runs my office and he's been there since 2001. Um, and uh, I remember him giving me advice. He's like, Jeff, this this is your nut, man. This is what you do the best. Um, and you should, you know, I mean, you know, just try to try to get back in it because this is this is what you do so, so well. And and uh, and it's going to take you a lot of places. And that's true. I mean, it has taken me a lot of places, it's taken me around the world. You know, I can't tell you how many times. I mean, I've been to, to Argentina and Chile, just for example. I've been to those places 18 times now. And wow. Probably about the same to Belize. And I've been to Russia and New Zealand and Tassie and I've been all over the place fly fishing. Um, and uh, and I'm just I feel really lucky, but I I feel one of the things, Lauren, I think that's been really great for me. About about ten years ago, um, I bought one of the seven uh, uh, Deschutes National Forest permits to be able to guide on the Fall River, the Upper Deschutes, where I lost my boat, and and lakes, <laughs> which is where I do the majority of my guiding. And when I bought that uh, permit 
the um, the regulation I have four different guide permits um, from different agencies and that permit is the only one that requires the owner of the of the permit to guide a certain percentage of the trips um, that the that the shop does so I can have up to eight guides working on my permit along with me um, but um, but I'm required to guide 33% of of the trips for however many trips that we do wow so it 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 kind of it kind of made me um, reinvent myself a little bit about ten years ago, in that um, in the summertime well, I say the summertime in the in the in the fishing season I mean the non winter mm-hmm. season um, I am kind of constantly out in the boat on the lakes guiding um, you know I guide at East Lake and Polina Lake and Crane Prairie and Hosmer mostly. Those are the ones that I hit most, and and they're all local, you know, within an hour's drive of the fly shop and sisters, and and uh, and really good trout fisheries, and it's just it's just something that has become very very exciting for me. Um, uh, a nice change of pace from being in the fly shop for all those years since 1986 when I started in the fly shop. Um, I did I did guide back in in like the late 80s and early 90s, um, and and the um, Justin will probably remember uh, the the guide service. Um, Craig Lacey, he had a company called Whitewater and Wild Fish, and they had one of the permits that I have for the um, for the lakes and the Fall River, and <clears throat> they allowed me to guide uh, the Fall River and Hosmer Lake, and those are the only two places that I was allowed to guide two really easy places and I couldn't drive. Um, they made the customer <laughs> drive um, just too young and, and uh, maybe, you know, um, it was too much of a liability. I think they knew that I was responsible enough because I was probably more responsible then than I am now. Um, but, Cause you're uh, super nervous. Like I gotta keep this job. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I was just, no, I was just like a really responsible young guy. And, and, uh, um, so anyway, but, uh, but yeah, that, that's been, that's been kind of, for me, that's been kind of one of the things that's kept me even more engaged, um, recently is, is this, you know, this newfound love of, of guiding and especially this newfound love to being on the still waters. Um, you know, these, these, some of these are pretty big lakes or thousand to 4,000 acre lakes and, um, you know learning more and more and more every year about about how to you know catch fish on these lakes and and learning techniques from amazing anglers around the world um and right here in my backyard um that that's been probably one of the things that that's really kept me in it and i think i think there's one more answer to the question i i mean honestly you know in in those 30 years that i own the fly shop I for sure should have gone out of business twice. Um, (laughs) One of the, one of the years was the first year I owned the shop and uh, the Teals, Harry and Dee, um, who I bought the store from kind of helped me through that, that those mistakes of the first year, which were very expensive mistakes. Um, But like what kind of mistakes were they? If you don't mind me asking over, yeah. Over ordering um, and Mm -hmm. not having, you know, not having the ability to pay the bills for all the stuff that I had, had, that I'd ordered Um, that, that was pretty much the main thing, you know? Um, And then, and then kind of getting in trouble with not being able to, you know, pay the, pay the bills, then you can't, you know, Mm -hmm. you can't reorder stuff. So, 
maybe we were out of stonefly nymphs and you know you didn't want to be out of stonefly nymphs if you're guiding a lot on the lower to shoot so you know that those sort of those sort of things i i've had a couple of a couple of bad years that you know we 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 had tough financial times and uh, you know I, i just chose to be like you know, okay. Yeah. It's really, really freaking bad. I was going to say the other word, but I won't (laughs) for families is really, really freaking bad. And, um, but yeah, it's March and I know that by May we're going to start making money. And if we can just, you know, if we can just kind of talk to everybody that we, you know, that we owe money to, and it's been, you know, the, those were tough years. And I, I, I don't know, you know, it could happen again. It's, uh, I think, you know, these days, Sisters and the Bend area has grown so much. I, I just mm-hmm. can't even tell you how different in the last three or four years, how different tourism is now than it used to be. You know, I mean, we used to be so dead, so quiet and especially in November, the first two weeks of December, and then all of January, all of February, and then maybe the first week or two of March until spring vacationers started coming around. It's just not like that anymore. You know, we get days this time of year that are, that are very similar in, uh, in sales to, you know, a June or July day. And wow. uh, So so COVID really hasn't had any effect on, on the fly shop. It's, for you. I mean, it's becoming a little bit easier for sure um, to run to run the business just from the standpoint that the area has grown so much with with new people moving to the to the region and then a lot more tourism, um, you know, from people that have just moved to the Pacific Northwest in general and were an easy day drive or even a couple hour drive to, to where they've where they relanded from you know, mm-hmm. wherever they came from. You see license plates from Texas and certainly a lot from California, um, but all over the place, New York, every place people are coming here because it's because of the lifestyle uh, lifestyle. Um, so, yeah, I mean, COVID COVID was really, really scary uh, when, when, so we, we got off the plane from Argentina in LAX on March 1st with kind of the, the real, first beginnings of the news of COVID. Um, and like a week and a half later, I didn't know how we were going to make it through the year, but to be quite yeah. honest with you, um, uh, in a lot of our categories, we, we kicked ass. Um, yeah. we, we were shut down for guiding, um, basically from mid March until the middle to end of May, depending on which permit, um, we weren't allowed to guide. So, um, we got hit really hard with, with kind of a loss of revenue on, on guide trips. I actually um, uh, got some PPP money um, and uh, put um, uh, four or five of my guides. I say four or five because uh, all five couldn't commit at the same, at the same time for the entire, you know, six week period. Yeah. I had them all working in the shop doing, doing things. We remodeled the the bathroom. We remodeled the fly tying room. We put in wow. new screen. Um, we resealed the roof. Um, you know, we just did a, a bunch of cool little, little projects and, and they got paid, um, you know, a, a nice hourly wage. And so while they weren't getting what they would have got for, for guiding, um, they were, they were getting, you know, they were able to survive. And I think it made everybody happy. And, 
um, you know, comfortable and, and kind of set us up for what ended up being a pretty darn good season until the September fires hit on Labor Day weekend. Well, and it's also like a sport. Fly fishing is something that you can do um, six feet apart. So it yeah. kind of is if you're looking for a new hobby, I mean, fly fishing is totally something that you'd like to do. And I like to hear that. I mean, during your downtime, you really didn't have downtime. You were like still working on the shop being even better than what it is. Yeah. Um, I heard you said you had a, a fly tying room. Is there a special tie that you like to fly tie yeah. fly that you like to tie out there? Well, I'm at, I'm actually at my house sitting at my fly tying desk right now. And I'm, I'm looking at the flies that I've tied the last couple of nights and I, I think I have fly tying ADD. It's really hard for me to tie more than a, a few of the same thing before I have to move on to something else. But I've been working working on a lot of chronomid uh, patterns, um, uh, pupas, um, and then a lot of beetles um, and some euro nymphs. And I've got this really beautiful little uh, cut wing or burned wing calabatus that I'm staring at right now that I tied last night. Um, so I don't know, probably, I mean, if you press me to ask me what my favorite pattern is, yikes, I would have to, I would probably have to say <laughs> like the Comparadon, um, uh, with the option of putting a, a Zelon tail on it and turning it into a sparkle done. Um, Craig, I have a few fly tying heroes. Craig Matthews out of uh, West Yellowstone is, is one of them, his, his sparkle done and X caddis and iris caddis and knockdown den those those are those are the types of fly when i'm river fishing those are the types of flies that i i really like to fish and and so when i'm lake fishing which is which is kind of more of my i mean i love lake fishing but i i tend to take the still water game more into my career than that and and on my days off i go fish the metolius or the deschutes um, oh, I think that's brilliant. Yeah. Separate the two. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of cool. Um, not that I don't fish lakes on my days off. I definitely do right. and, and dream about it. But um, yeah, <laughs> a lot of time um, on the Metolius on my days off. But, uh, you know, for for Stillwater Flies, um, I really I really follow um, kind of what's happening in British Columbia. Um, like that, I mean, I know that Phil Rowley's not actually from British Columbia, but he fishes there a lot. He's, I think he's from uh, Alberta or Saskatchewan or something. Um, super, super knowledgeable, great. You gotta get him on the show, actually. He's amazing. Um, him and Brian Chan, their patterns, um, and just just sort of follow that that kind of, you know, BC, Kamloops area, um, fly patterns. Um, you know, balance leeches came from there. A lot of the best coronamid patterns came from there. Um, that's that's kind of the that's kind of the direction I go with flies for sure. If people are wanting to start to reach out to you, um, see over at the Fly Fisher's Place, or uh, want to read more about your blog, what's the best way for them to contact you? Well, it's pretty easy actually. Um, they can go to <laughs> they can go to the website, which is you know www.flyfishersplace.com. No apostrophe on the S on Fishers, just flyfishersplace.com. Um, or they can they can call me uh, at the shop. I, if it's okay, I give the number here. It's 541-549-FISH, which is 3474. Um, Amazing. Yeah. I no. love it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but uh, and then and then, you know, I I'm really good about answering emails. Um, you know, I'm on online a lot and uh, and good about answering emails and 
and not generally, I mean, if I have time, um, which usually I have, I make time or find time, um, I'll, I'll answer an email with, with pretty detailed information. So, <laughs> um, I, I yeah, just kind of feel like it's part of my duty to share um, information like that. So, yeah. Oh yeah. I, I love, I mean, I don't have too much knowledge when it comes to fishing, but when anything I can provide, I love giving tips yep. and, um, my own experiences. Jeff, do you have, um, uh, Instagram or Facebook? Yeah. Yeah, we sure do. Uh, Instagram and Facebook are both, both under the fly fishers place. So yeah, easy to find on, on both, um, tend to do a lot of Instagram posting in the, in the season. Um, and a little less this time of year in the winter. There's just not as much to share. But um, but yeah, we're uh, we're on both and enjoy being on there. Yeah, I actually wanted to post something on Instagram that was like my fly fishing outfit for the winter time, and it would just be me in my pajamas in bed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I'm not one that likes to be out in the cold and stripping wet cold line and 20 degrees. I'm just not. I'm not that hardcore. I want to be, but I just. I have my limits. Um, well, before we sign off, I know you have some more stories because you've obviously fished around the world. So I'd love to hear one more for for the road. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one that kind of kind of came to mind when we were talking earlier. So, so um, I don't know. This isn't really an international story, but it's it's the story. It's the story of a day that um, I think is really really special to me. So, um, like I mentioned earlier, um, that. Uh, permit that I got uh, to guide on the lakes um, that is issued through the um, the Forest Service office in Bend, and um, there's only seven of them, and you have to find somebody that is willing to, um, you know, part with theirs, and then you go through a transfer process with the special uses coordinator at the Bend office. Um, and you don't actually pay the Forest Service. You pay you pay the person that owned the permit for you know essentially their you know blue sky, um, and 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 then you take over the permit and and that's that. So there was this really great guy um, named Craig uh, that had had a permit, and he was a school bus driver over in the Portland area during school year. And then as soon as the school year wrapped up. Um, he and his wife would come over, they'd pull a trailer up to Crane Prairie Reservoir and, uh, and one of them would pull the trailer as I understand it, the other one would pull the boat and they'd, they'd just kind of set up camp there for the, for the summer season and guide, you know, as much as possible, if not every day. And so I, I met Craig, um, and he allowed me to be one of his eight employees on his, on his permit for a few years. And then he said, you know, he said, "Hey, I'm I'm thinking about selling it," and I, and, uh, I, I guess I asked him if he would sell it. <laughs> he said, "Yeah, I, I'm thinking about selling it. I just kind of want to really retire." And uh, and he said to me, "You know, I could sell this so easily to somebody else for so much more money. Um, I'm going to sell it to you because I really feel like your heart is in it, and I like the fact that you're a lifelong Oregonian." You grew up fishing these lakes since you were three years old. I, I just, he, he just loved that part of the, the essence of this story. And, and so anyway, the day that I met him in Portland, um, I, I was, uh, dating, um, this lady named Tina, uh, who worked at Portland State University. 
Um, I um, left my sister's house uh, in uh, West Portland, um, drove up Barnes Road to a Starbucks coffee shop and met Craig and gave him a cashier's check for his business. Um, drove up and over the hill into um, downtown Portland on Northwest 23rd, went and bought an engagement ring for Tina, and then <laughs> drove across town over to um, a marina on the Columbia River um, and bought a motor for the new boat that I was having built for uh, for my <laughs> guide service. And uh, it was maybe it was maybe one of the greatest days of my life to set myself up for future success. I got I got a permit. I got a wife and I got a, I got a badass motor out of the deal. So I don't know <laughs> much better than that, but it was, uh, it was a pretty great day. That is so incredible. And I, I imagine probably one of the most expensive days that you've had to drop <laughs> a lot of money in one I day. I think indeed it was one of the most expensive, <laughs> one of the most expensive days I've ever had just in one day. Yeah, for sure. But fun. Oh. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. it's fun when you get like those moments where you're like, this is like you said, you were setting up your future and you really did all in one day. You're like, hey, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to go all in. All poker chips are in. Yeah, 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 for sure. It was great. And then and then can I tell you, can I tell you one other thing that I because yes. I, I kind of wanted to respond to um, to uh, Brian O'Keefe's interview that you did here. Um so Brian and I have been friends for a long, long time, and and uh, I actually worked for Brian a little bit uh, when I was <laughs> um, helping him organize stuff in his office, and um, um, you know, just yeah, it was great. And he had been a long, long time friend, and you know, not that we're like super, super close, but you know, whenever we reconnect, it's always really easy and fun, and and uh, um, so I, I think one of the greatest. Uh, um, compliments and, and maybe also one of the reasons of my long long success in the in the business is Brian once told me how how much he looked up to the fact that like I wasn't so singularly focused on on the fly fishing business mm-hmm. as I as I was really nicely rounded in a lot of things. Like I, I'm you know, I like the business, but I also really, really love to fish. And I really, really love to ski and I play a little golf and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I like going hiking with my wife and the dogs. And, you know, I, I don't, I'm not just focused on one thing. And it was probably one of the, one of the, the things that stuck with me most um, was that that compliment was also a reminder of how to have a successful life. Um, and and I, I've just sort of taken that along you know, my whole life. I, 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 yeah, I just think it's, it's important not to just be a focused on one thing, but to, to broaden it out, to experience different things and to enjoy lots of different things. I think that's such a beautiful way to end this podcast. I think it is. You just can't take, if anything, throughout all of this coronavirus and the pandemic and election is that you just really have to make sure that you're keeping yourself well balanced, not in just one thing. Cause if that one thing doesn't work for you, you just have to have other things that you can find, find your balance on. So no, very well said, Jeff. And I really appreciate talking with you and Hey, maybe we can just have a big old reunion, a, a podcast reunion with you and you and Brian O'Keefe <laughs> yeah. make our own stories and at least and, try not to lose any boats. And John Hazlett, who, uh, who, um, and John Hazlett. Yeah. 
exactly. Yeah, that guy. That guy. Uh, he's not good with five x tippet. I'll tell you that. He that he needs zero. <laughs> <laughs> I know I should have I should have to teach me how to spay cast get that off of Justin's list of things to do but <laughs> he is one of the most the best at that so if you do get that lesson uh, you will you will excel I'm sure oh I'll have to make a video of it well thank you so much Jeff I really appreciate you taking the time and anyone who's over in Sisters Oregon please go visit checking out the new bathrooms and the new dying <laughs> and the new roof <laughs> can't wait yeah we'll keep it clean for you. Go to thefebruaryroom.com where you can access a complete library of our podcast and read more about our guests, their fishing stories, and favorite fly patterns. We're always looking for exceptional fly fishing yarns, and if you have one to spin, shoot us an email at info at thefebruaryroom.com. The February Room is always free, but if you feel like throwing a nickel in the pond, we appreciate any additional listener support. For companies and individuals interested in sponsorship opportunities, please contact us for our media kit. Thanks for stopping by the February Room, and we'll see you down here next week.